Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. And I don't know about you, but over the years of being a follower of Jesus, there there are certain things that just don't make sense to me because I just don't get certain things. All right. Um, I'd like to know I'm all I'm all knowing and wise, but certain things just don't make sense to me. And uh, so I just thought I'd throw out a few of the things that don't make sense to me. Uh, and I want you to have fun with this with me. OK, so the first thing is, why do grades go from A, B, C, D to F. What happened to E? I don't, I don't get that one. I don't get that one. Um, why do they call it a pair of pants when there's only one? Anybody else wonder about that? I, okay. Um, how about, uh, why is a, why is candy called fun size when it's so small? <laughs> I don't, I don't get that one at all. Okay. Why is it a W called a W when it's clearly two V's together? <laughs> All right? Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, why does a dentist ask you questions when he's got stuff in your mouth? That's another one. All right? And uh, how about, why do they call them chicken fingers when chickens don't have fingers? I, okay, that one, okay. Um, here's one that, that really does mesmerize me. Why do they have interstate freeways in, high, in, in Hawaii? I mean, really? Anybody ever drive to Hawaii? I'm just curious. Okay. And here's one that, that really applies to uh, Christmas time. Uh, why are wise men and wise guys opposites? Right? Okay. All right. We've had enough fun. Okay. Um, yeah, God's will sometimes just doesn't make sense to us. Right? And I, I think that... Um, in John chapter 6, verse 38, it says, I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And I think that one of the reasons that the will of God doesn't make sense to us is because we don't want it to make sense to us. Because deep down we have our own will that we're processing right alongside of God's will. Romans 11:33 says, "Oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways." You see, God has a has a, a a clear perspective of everything. And we are limited in our perspective. We have our little little telescope we're looking through and it's a, it's all about our world and, and our life and our stuff. And, and, you know, God just sees the whole thing, past, present, future. He understands things in a way that we can't even begin to perceive. And because of that, sometimes when we read God's word and his will, which should be plain to us, it is confusing, it is confusing. And so we're left with it. We're left with it. And, and sometimes it's not that we really don't understand what he wants us to do, what he says or what he means. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us because it's not what we would normally choose to do. Okay? So we've got to keep that in mind when we're talking about God's will. 
we're constantly getting God's will and our will mixed up uh, because we have a tendency to ask God to do things that we want him to do because we know he's all powerful and we know he loves us. We make an assumption that, of course, he would want us to have what we want. You see, Jesus prayed, our Father in heaven, we honor your name. May your heavenly kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how is his will done in heaven? Perfectly. Everyone in heaven does exactly what God wants. They understand it, they perceive it, and they do it. And they do it. Now, the second, that leads me to the second point, and that is this, is that God's will is really not a mystery. God has done everything within his power to make it as clear and plain as possible. That's my, my, my take on it. And, and, and the fact is that most people don't like to admit this. Um, they actually sometimes know what God's will is, but they just don't want to do it. I didn't get an amen there, but uh, it's true, right? It's true. I mean, we read God's word. We know what he wants us to do, and yet we balk. We say, oh, yeah, and then it goes through our mind. All that is going to entail, all that is going to mean, maybe what it is going to cost us, and we stop. We think about it. And then sometimes we have a conversation with God we're trying to get out of it. Well, God, uh, God's will, in my opinion, is not rocket science, okay? It's just that we don't like sometimes to do God's will because it's going to cost us something. Um, and sometimes we avoid asking God for the power to do what we actually know to be his will. And some of us haven't experienced the life that God actually wants to give us, that full and abundant life that he describes in Scripture. We all want that, but we don't experience it, and then we get disappointed. But part of the reason is because we haven't asked for him to help us do what we know God wants us to do, right? And because of that, we don't experience some of the life that God has for us if we would follow through. First of all, we would experience his power motivating us and fulfilling this promise that he will be with us and he will actually fulfill his will through us if we just bend our will to his. Ask him for the power to do what we know he's asking us to do. You see, it's um, it's more we're, we're actually more inclined to substitute our own will, and then we want to do what? We want to uh, know what God's will is about. Uh, well, should I buy this car? You know, should I go on this vacation? Should I go on this date? Um, which college should I go to, God? I need your will. I need to know if I should buy two scoops of ice cream instead of one. You know? And, and, and so what we do is we, we, we want to see God's power 
answering our requests instead of experiencing His power to do His will in us and through us, to become the kind of person that He wants us to be, have the kind of character that He wants us to have, and then to treat other people the way He wants us to treat them. See, those are the harder things. And you know what's interesting about those things is those are the things that we're inclined not to do. And if we ask God for the power to do them, you could see even yourself change to become an entirely different kind of person. That would be amazing. Then we're a bunch of walking miracles. Then we have something to tell people about what God has done in us and through us in spite of us. That's the miracle. That we can be transparent enough to share, yes, God did this in my heart, in my life, when at first I was unwilling to even go there. But I saw in God's word very plainly who he wanted me to become, what he wanted me to do. And when I finally released my will to his, he did some amazing things in me. I mean, the most amazing miracle in my life is that I'm not an angry person anymore. I always thought I got the short end of the stick besides being short, you know. And I was angry. And and the fi- the final thing for me was to just release that anger. And say, God, change me. Help me to be, not be angry anymore. And it started with me forgiving. Forgiving people who I thought wronged me. who thought, And that included God himself. For not giving me, you know, what I thought I deserved or what I wanted. And, and, then, and then to meet people later on and to, to spend some time with them. They say, you're not the same person you were when you were in high school. And I say, thank you. You can thank God for that. Okay. And it gives you a talking point, right? It gives us a talking point. Give you a few scriptures to think about. Micah 6, 8. Oh, people, the Lord told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what's right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. See, I I wanted people to get what they deserved. I wasn't a merciful person. I thought, yeah, they did bad. They need to be punished. And God says, you know, I, I would like you instead to change that judgmental attitude of yours to one of mercy. What would that look like in all of our lives if we yielded to that? It's plain. James 3.13 says, If you're wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Another one, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other. Just be kind. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's God's will. Ask God to make that real in your life, to forgive that person that you've had a real hard time forgiving for a long time. And maybe you'll see the miracle that God wants you to experience. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, wow. 
says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You see, we read those things and we see them. We say that's God's word. And so many people are so intent on making sure that God's word is pure and nothing is added, nothing subtracted. But then we see those things and we're not willing to even bend to what we know is true. Right. And so the will of God, it's not a mystery. It's it's right on the page. Are we willing to sit, talk with God about that, how maybe it's not working in our lives. We're not experiencing the life that he promised us. Why? Because we're not willing to bend our will to what we know to be his. And I tell you, it's more about character than it is about doing something for God. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And then the last thing, of course, is that God's will actually produces the best life possible. We, we read this verse. We love it. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And then we get in our mind what that full life is supposed to look like. Right. And so I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking more about the expectations of what we think that life should look like versus what God actually means when he wants us to understand what it means to have a full and abundant life. Okay? So, summarize so far. We know that doing God's will is the right thing to do, right? Can we all agree on that? Okay? Heads nodding. That's good. That's good. Okay. And uh, it's not always, it doesn't always make sense to us, Right? And then the third thing is that it's not rocket science. It is available to us. We can see and know exactly what God wants us to to do and actually become. Where we get messed up is on this abundant life issue. I think our view of what we think the abundant life is really shapes our inner motivation to do God's will. It shapes how we approach God's will. And if we're not careful, we can do the will of God and still wind up missing the point. Missing the abundant life that God really wants for us. Let me explain it. There are several reasons why people do God's will, quote, okay? We touched on some of them a little bit, but I want to kind of give some broad summary statements here. Number one, a lot of people do God's will because they want the blessing from God to do God's will, right? In other words, um, they want God's blessing and gifts in exchange for their obedience. I obey God because then I'm expecting a return from him. In essence, you put God kind of in your debt, Right. I'm doing God's will. And because I've done God's will, this is the prosperity gospel. You do God's will. God will give back to you. Right. Shaking down, pressed together. If you give him a dollar, he'll give you ten. Right. Why? Because he owes you. You've done his will. And now you're expecting him to deliver on the other end of the bargain. And these people actually have a comprehensive view of what those blessings really are supposed to be for them. Okay? 
So you can have this motivation to do God's will, but if your motivation is just getting what you can from God, then it, it changes everything, right? Because you're not expecting to get from God what He wants you to have. You're expecting to get what you want from God. Now, a second reason why people um, obey God is because it makes sense to them. Let me explain this. It's a pragmatic choice that's more about understanding the principles of Scripture. I study the Bible so that I can have these broad principles. And a lot of pastors preach this way. It's kind of in vogue, especially in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, and to some extent, it still is now. I, I read the Bible, but I read the Bible with the intent of cause and effect. If I do this, this will happen, right? And if I can figure out what the principles are in Scripture, God actually becomes irrelevant. Okay? Why? Because if I do this, this is going to happen. I don't need to even talk to God about it. Right? I do this, this is the result. If I do this, this is the result. And if I've got all my principles in place, and you've got, you know, six principles to a happy marriage, six principles to, to you know, do whatever. And so we do one, two, three, and then it comes back, one, two, three. And, and we've got this figured out in a way that I'm more concerned about exactly what I need to do and how to do it and when to do it. And then I should get the result that the Bible says. And again, this is a situation where it's okay to read the Bible and there are basic principles there. But we cannot ever paint God into a box. God can do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. All right. And so this is a principle of trying to figure out exactly what God is, who he is, how he works. And it's it's an interesting and kind of strange development in which we try to figure God out so well that we've got him hemmed in. You know, we know him as well as we we think he knows himself. And in a subtle way, it's it's Satan's original lie that you can know as much as God knows. And you know, it's very interesting. If you look at the life of Jesus, how many times the Pharisees who knew the scriptures better than anyone If they knew the principles of the Bible, they were the ones who knew it. And yet Jesus comes down from heaven onto earth in a human body and he does things. And and they're going like, whoa, 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 time out. You can't do that. That doesn't fit what the scriptures say. And Jesus says, well, sorry. (laughs) You know, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm not going to throw rocks at them. You got a problem with that? How many times we see Jesus kind of change the principles, change the rules, shocked and surprised everybody, right? Because we thought we had it figured out, when in reality, God's got it figured out. Okay? So, I'll give you a third one here. Um, they obey God, they do God's will because 
Oh boy, this one touches home here to me because it makes them feel important. It makes God happy with me. It makes other people happy with me. And they see me as an important person. This is, this is one that pastors are prone to, people. Okay? That I'm a good person because I've done God's will. And in a, in a strange way, it's, it's a, a, a way to get attention. It's a way to kind of build myself up because I don't feel good about myself. And I look back and I say, I've done so much for God. See, their primary focus is to figure out what God approves and disapproves, and you stay within those boundaries to keep God happy. Because deep down, you don't feel good about yourself, and the only way I can feel good about myself is to obey God, and then when I obey God... See, I'm talking about motivation here. I'm not saying it's not a good thing to be obedient. It's a good thing to be obedient. It's a good thing to figure God's will out and do it. But if my motivation is for people to like me, to, you know, build me up and go, wow, he's fantastic. Then my motivation is wrong. It's subtle. But it's true. It's, it's, it's real. So what's the, what's, the real, what's the real thing here? Well, I think that it's revealed in Scripture, and, it, and it's actually the, the one that we, we studied a couple of weeks ago. Jesus came down to be with us. And and now think about it this way. Jesus does God's will all the time, right? So he goes places, he does things, he's doing God's will where he's going, what he's doing. The reason that I want to do God's will, and this is the true motivation that all of us should do God's will, it's because that's where Jesus is. Period. Jesus came to be with us. And then he gives us his will. Why? Because he wants us to be with him. And and if Jesus is out in the garden gardening, what am I going to do? I'm going to go garden so I can be with Jesus. If Jesus is sharing the gospel with someone over here, what am I going to do? I'm going to go over here and share the gospel with Jesus because why? Because that's where he is. It just makes sense. I'm going to do things with Jesus. And Jesus only does the will of God. And so when I see God's will, I see that's where Jesus is. And I want to be with Jesus. That's why. That's the only motivation we need. If you stop and think of it, when Jesus says, I came because I want to be with you again. I just want to hang out. And as you're hanging out with Jesus, you find out how he lives, how he treats other people. You're stunned by his kindness. You're stunned by his mercy. You're stunned by how graceful he is, how much peace he has in a very, very, you know, difficult situation. And you think, oh, that's how I'm supposed to respond. That's how I'm supposed to treat people. That's how I'm supposed to live. It's absorbed, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's shown by, by the, 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 the way that, that Jesus came at the time he did. He became a rabbi, and then he gathered disciples. And he, and he pulled people in, very interestingly, that 
other rabbis were not pulling in. They were not the sharpest knives in the drawer, okay? And Jesus said, no, I want everybody. I want you to be with me. I want you to be with me. You see, we need to get that into our heads and our hearts. Jesus came because he wants to be with you. How does that make you feel when the God of the universe chooses to inhabit a human body and he says, I want to be with you. Come, follow me. That's what God's will is really about. It's about following in the footsteps of Jesus and all the while knowing that even though he physically ascended back into heaven, that he sends his spirit himself to live inside of us so that where he is, we can also be. Wow. When you start thinking about it that way, when you start thinking about how much God really loves you, don't you want to be with him? I, I just spent some time this week and I got a little overwhelmed just sitting and thinking about the fact that the God of the universe who created me was right here with me. And I just said, that's what I want to be. That's where I want to be. You see, our faith is put in the, the, the truth that God wants to be with us again. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross to absorb the penalty of sin that he faced on that cross. He absorbed all that, all, all that, that wrath that was poured out. Every sin that we ever have committed is on Jesus. And Jesus absorbs that and pays the penalty through his own death on the cross. Why? Because he wanted to break that barrier of sin to reunite us with our creator. So we could spend time with him again, eternity with him. So Sky Jathani, a wonderful author, he's written a book called With, just simply With. That would be one of the, my top five books that I would recommend for anybody to read if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, okay? Just with. Um, he says this, Our trust in what Jesus has done is called faith. Many people put their faith in Christ so their sins can be forgiven, but they do so either as a ticket to heaven or as a pass out of hell, not because they actually desire to be with God. When this happens, we fall back into the trap of using God as a means, a device, rather than the end, the treasure. Wow. Oh. How many of us, I prayed my first prayer to receive Jesus into my heart because I was scared to death that I would wind up in hell. All I could do was see flames flickering all around me. And I was like, Wah! they scared me into heaven kind of a thing, you know. Other people, they, they want a ticket to heaven. And what they're thinking of is they're thinking of heaven the way they want it to be. They're thinking, man, I get to fish forever. I can't think of anything worse, okay? 
Maybe just this giant soccer field where we're all playing soccer together, you know, or just this giant bucket of ice cream and every every scoop is a different flavor, you know. I mean, we've all got our minds, you know, kind of wrapped around what we think heaven's going to be like. Who we're going to see when we get there. I can't wait to see, you know, my Aunt Mildred or my, or my dog Spot or whatever. And, you, and we've got all these dreams and these visions about what we want heaven to be. And in reality, the only person that we should care about seeing in heaven, the first person that we want to look into our eyes and to reach out with open arms should be Jesus. Everything else, everyone else will pale in comparison. Aren't you looking forward to opening your eyes after you shut them in death to open your eyes to just see one face? God, the creator, looking at you with a smile on his face, open arms. Are you, aren't you ready for that? That's what we should desire. All the other stuff might be there. Great. You know? But the fulfillment. And God knows this. And I think deep down we all know it. We want desperately to be reunited with the person who created us. Right? So we do God's will because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. John Piper said this, this is awesome. Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything else above seeing and savoring God. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, We've not been converted by the gospel. What did Jesus say? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Make that your motivation for doing the will of God and you're home free. All right? Let's pray. God, thank you that, uh, thank you that your will is not rocket science that we can all understand clearly that that we will experience a life that is amazing if we just set our hearts on living our life with you wherever you you take us god through your revealed will in scripture to to be a forgiving a loving a kind-hearted gentle spirited person God, help us to be who you want us to be because that's who you are and that's where you are in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart and the way you relate to other people. Draw us closer and closer and closer to you, Lord. We know that's where we all deeply need to be and want to be, God. We love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. listening know that god loves you more than you can imagine and for everything bethany church check out bethanychurchfresno.com